0: Support for this podcast comes from Format. Format provide award-winning careers websites to employers such as Vue, Atkins and Muller. Working with Format can help you attract and engage higher numbers of better quality applicants. They get these results by their complete focus on the candidate experience, fantastic technology that enables long-term passive candidate engagement and seamless integration with your ATS. For more information, and to get in touch for a free review of your career site, please go to www.format.com podcast. Format is spelt with a number four, then M-A-T. The web address again, www.format.com podcast.
1: There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine and at all the
0: ages of history. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 22 of the Recruiting Future podcast. I'm absolutely fascinated by the way that work is changing and earlier in the year I contributed a chapter on the changing world of work to a recently published book on the future of business. In the chapter, I talk about the growth of talent marketplaces, and I'm delighted that this week's guest is Stefan Kazriel, who is CEO of Upwork, which is basically the biggest talent marketplace on the planet. Enjoy the interview. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. My guest this week is Stefan Kazriel, who is the CEO of Upwork. Hi, Stefan, how are you doing? Hi,
1: Matt. Really well. Thank you.
0: Cool. So could you, um, for, for, for those people who, who, who may not be familiar with Upwork, because it's uh, uh, it, it's obviously a, a, an established business, but a fairly new brand, could you just talk us through uh, what Upwork is um, and what you've been doing with that?
1: Sure. Yeah. No. So, f- you know, first of all, completely uh, acknowledge the fact that the name is new and, um, and we essentially relaunched the company a few months ago under the name Upwork. Uh, but Upwork is uh, the result of the merger between two you know, fairly well-known and very successful and fairly well-established technology companies. Um, one company was called Elance, and the other one was called Odesk. And we merged the two companies about a year ago and essentially spent a year um uh, Building the best of breed solution, you know, taking all of the best assets from the two legacy properties and relaunching as a new site, you know, with a new name called Upwork, which we think just better represents what we are trying to achieve as a company. Um, so, you know, as a reminder, maybe not everybody knows about Elance or Odesk. Um, what those two companies were doing, and what Upwork does now, is we are a marketplace for freelance talents, and what that means is we're enabling businesses of just about any size. Um, in, you know, just about any country in the world to connect with, hire, contract, communicate, collaborate, and pay freelancers around the world. Um, and, you know, so, so you know, specifically what we do is we um, take categories of work that can be done online remotely. So we don't do local staffing. We do much more like, you know, um what you would be doing with, you know, a marketing agency or an IT outsourcing company or you know, what have you, uh, but we're allowing you to to work directly with the contractor uh, as opposed to going through, uh, you know, a more traditional offline process and allow you to get the work done online um, remotely. And so this includes, you know, just about any category of work that you can do online. You know, it's knowledge work. Um, about half of our business is IT related, so it's you know. Uh, I need somebody to build a mobile app. I need a new design for my website. I need to, um, you know, improve an existing uh, website or what have you. Uh, and the other half is, um, you know, non-IT knowledge work. And that is a very large category. We have basically 65 um, different categories under under that one that go anything from, um, you know, sales and marketing, you know, like we're going to be helping you build your, you know, Google ad campaigns. We're going to be doing your content marketing for you. Uh, we're going to be allowing you to, um, you know, hire, uh, you know, designers for, uh, you know, your next marketing campaign or what have you to uh, customer support. You know, we we staff really large teams of customer support agents in just about any language that you might want. Um, we do a lot of translation work. We do... Uh, um, but, you know just about a lot of you know administrative work you know like if you're looking for an executive assistant and you're okay with that person being remote uh, we have you know hundreds and hundreds of uh, 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 executive assistants that are available for part-time or full-time work at any point in time on the site.
0: Thank you so it's basically uh, it's a you know it's a network of of, of talent um, effectively isn't it?
1: Yeah it's a huge talent pool right yeah. the idea is that the you know traditional m- workplace i mean if you if you step back and you think about how the world has changed you know the types of jobs that we all do has changed tremendously in the last 50 years and yet the workplace itself has not changed that much you know we still all go to the same place called an office and we go there from 9 to 5 yes. and employers you know frown upon you if you're trying to work different hours or you know work from home or work part-time or what have you. And yet the type of work we do does not require this anymore. This comes from the 19th century when you know people were working in factories and if you're working in a factory you need to be in the factory. For the types of jobs that you do or I do or probably everybody who's listening to this blog right now does you just don't need that kind of inflexibility. And so what you're seeing is uh, a trend now where companies are realizing that it's getting harder and harder to hire people locally. That Um, You know, like if you look at the U.S. right now, the time to hire um, has just crossed the 28-day threshold and it's still going up. Uh, Over a third of the jobs in the U.S. right now are unfilled after three months. These are like huge impacts to a company, right? A company that's trying to grow and is not able to fill its racks is not going to be growing as successfully as it wants to. And so partly out of, you know, um, just need, you know, from a staffing standpoint, partly because of the increased specialization of skills. You know, companies are less and less eager to spend the time to train, you know, their employees for things that, you know, skills that may only be necessary for a few months. And on a marketplace like us, you can find, you know, we have 2,500 different skills on the marketplace. You can find the most, you know, niche, long-tail skill. And you'll find hundreds of people that have that skill, which is much harder to do, you know, locally within your company. You may not even know how to train for that skill, <laughs> let alone would you have it, yeah. you know, in, in your company. So the both the the increased difficulty and competitiveness of hiring, you know, full-time employees locally, and the increased need in specialization, I, I think, drivers of this on the employer side. Um, but there's a similar driver happening on the employee side. And you know, one thing that's really striking is. The millennial generation—you know, the, the 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 kids that you know uh, graduated from college a few years ago—for the first time this year—is the largest generation on the workforce, and obviously that's only going to continue to grow. And when you look at you know analysis on that generation, or you talk to to uh, uh, to the, the millennials, one thing that's very clear is their aspiration from a career standpoint is very different from what you know the Gen Y and the Gen, Gen X has had and in particular they have a fairly healthy dose of cynicism as it relates to the notion of you know job security full-time employment career development and they want to be a lot more in control of that career and so there you know the the huge percentage of of the freelancers in our marketplace are millennials and a big percentage of the millennials want to to become freelancers because of that, you know, slightly different relationship to work they have compared to what we had, you know, when we were their age. So I think if you take those two things together, that's probably one of the things that's been fueling our growth in the last you know, few years. Um, and, and it's only going to continue to grow
0: that's uh i mean there's so much stuff there in what you've um uh what you've just said that that's sort of so interesting i think um could you uh, in terms of your growth and in terms of you know you mentioned the um you know the size of the skill base that's that's on the platform um could you give everyone sort of a feel for the the kind of enormity of this in terms of um you know the numbers that the numbers that you're seeing you know how many um you know how many how many projects are going through your sort of platform on a, on a a, on, a, on a monthly basis how many um actual kind of freelancers um do you do you, do you kind of represent on there
1: sure so let me get, just give you orders of magnitude because the exact numbers keep changing but of course. Um, last year we processed over a billion dollars of work um that was a, a, month, bi- a
0: billion dollars a billion yeah wow.
1: in a month we we have over a jobs that get filled on the platform okay and on any given day they are you know a few thousand freelancers who sign up and a few thousand new clients who sign up. So it's a very, um, you know, lively marketplace. You know, there's new, fresh talent coming in every single day at a rate that is unparalleled. You know, like it's, uh, if you think about it, we are, you know, essentially creating a company the size of Google uh, in terms of, you know, new freelancers coming in every month.
0: And um I'll come back to the sort of the the digital um, skill angle on on, on this uh, in, in a second because I've got a kind of specific question about that but uh, I'm kind of dying to ask what the um, could be a very difficult question to answer but you know what's the most unusual skill um, someone has on the platform
1: oh you know like if so if you look at the long tail of those 2500 most of them it's they're so unusual that you've never even heard of them uh, <laughs> And frankly, they're so unusual that I've never heard of them. You know, usually what we do is we let the community tell us what skills are in demand. And so the taxonomy is user-generated. And, you know, we're not going to create every single skill that one individual wants. But if if we are seeing enough momentum, then, you know, we'll end up creating the skill. So, you know, it goes from incredibly legacy things that, you know, people have forgotten even existed. So we do, you know, software development in COBOL, which is like, you know, language that nobody would ever you know, yeah, no, things still exist. Uh, but there's tons of companies time, yeah. that need that skill and they can't train for it internally. So they hire through our platform to find it. Okay. And then on the other extreme there are, you know, emerging trends. I think we see trends before just about anybody else is seeing them because we've got this talent. You know, one of the beautiful things about freelance work is uh, you know everybody acts as an entrepreneur, everybody acts as a small business and everybody is there to, you know, maximize their relevance for the for the marketplace. And so It's a, you know, it's almost like a self-organizing, you know, self-developing organism that keeps improving itself. And so the freelancers are always on the lookout and we give them a lot of data about it for what are the emerging trends, you know, what are the places where there's an imbalance between supply and demand. And therefore, if they learn those skills, they can, you know, really make a a significant amount of money.
0: Cool. Okay. I mean, that must be, um, that must be really, really useful feedback for them, I would imagine. Coming back to um, digi- specifically to digital skills now, um, uh, you know I know that this is the case where you are in Silicon Valley, um, but it's also very much the case um, in Europe as well that there, um, effectively, for you know lots of companies, there's a there's a digital skills crisis at the moment in terms of um, you know finding people with the right skills um, and you know sometimes the impossibility of recruiting those people um, full time do you, do you see your platform as a way of solving um that crisis um even for companies that that might not necessarily uh you know want to or have hired freelance talent in the past
1: oh absolutely you know one one thing that's uh been happening over the past couple of years is you know traditionally we've worked most, mostly with small and medium-sized businesses who you know quite often would use us because they could not afford to have somebody full time and they just needed to have somebody part time uh, or it was for a, you know short three month project and it just didn't make sense for them to hire somebody for that short period but what's been happening over the last you know couple of years is you know much more traditional larger enterprises have started you know working with us and we've ended up building a a product for them that is a you know a, a layer on top of the public marketplace that meets the needs of the enterprise clients and you know some of them are in Europe uh, but they're typically big international companies you know we work with companies like HP and Unilever and coca-cola and you know a few hundred others who um, basically have realized that you know they've done traditionally you know local full-time hiring they've done traditionally the you know, more traditional you know staffing type of services they've worked with you know professional services companies you know marketing agencies and i t you know outsourcing shops and whatever but they're starting to realize there's almost a, a best of all worlds you know a hybrid type of approach where you work with the workers directly exactly as if you were hiring them um, but they are there for a you know potentially shorter duration of time and potentially not full time and definitely not local and that's essentially what we provide for them and the flexibility they get so essentially what we offer to the enterprise clients is a way for every one of their employees to hire one or multiple freelancers um, on our platform while meeting the requirements of, you know, a big enterprise company. And I I would say, you know, there's dozens and dozens of different things that we do for them, but the, the main two buckets are around, you know, spend control, And, you know, cost management, you know, clearly if you let any employee in your company spend an insane amount of money, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So, so we have, uh, you know, added a, a bunch of features to the product that allow the company to tie, you know, spend to a specific purchase order, you know, a PO, um, have, you know, set, you know, different levels of approvals, different workflows for approvals, that kind of stuff. And then the second category is around, um, vetting the freelancers that can work with your employees. Okay. Um, and the way that works is we have a um, what we call the private talent clouds, which are essentially um, you know privatized version of the marketplace with only a subset of the freelancers available. And the way freelancers are added to those subsets is something that is you know you know defined by the company based on what their requirements are, and typically includes things like you know signing a, an NDA and doing a background check and securing their laptops. Um, and one of the steps, quite often, is what's known, you know, in the industry as classification, which is, you know, deciding whether, based on the engagement between the client and the freelancer, that engagement should be tra- treated as an independent contractor relationship or treated as a, you know, employment relationship. In which case, um, in most countries, we have ways of putting the freelancer on a payroll provider, which, you know, protects the company from having any kind of misclassification lawsuits.
0: Okay, interesting um so it's basically i mean basically what you're saying is that these are these are kind of dynamic talent pools for um for these companies which i think is uh, i think is very interesting um on that uh, on that topic do you use the platform um for your own company so oh yes uh, how, how does it uh you know how do you use it for your own hiring and and your own your own projects that
1: you know that's a great question you know that's what people here in silicon valley call eating your own dog food
0: yes and we
1: we uh, very much do that so the our company upwork has a thousand people working in it uh but it's 300 employees that are mostly based in san francisco and um another town in the bay area called mountain view and 700 freelancers so most of our workforce are actually people that we staff through our own platform um and that includes just about every function in the company. I mean, the obvious one that I think you know, first comes to mind for everybody is customer support. So anything that relates to operations in our company, you know, whether it's um, you know, fraud detection or compliance or identity verification or dispute resolution, like all the things that touch you know, customer support are done by freelancers you know, throughout the world. Um, the thing that is probably even more disruptive that we do and that an increasing number of companies are doing now is that the bulk of our engineering team is also freelancers. Um, And this is something that, you know, like when people were having those discussions, you know, 10 years ago, this felt crazy. Like nobody would think that you could build a distributed, you know, engineering team and be successful. Um, but several companies have proven that it works. You know, we're probably one of the bigger ones, but Mozilla is fully distributed. Yeah. You know, automatic, the company that builds WordPress is fully distributed. 37 Signals, the company that builds Basecamp, is fully distributed, you know, GitHub. So there's a growing number of companies that have, you know, grown at kind of as we were growing, have grown with the same path. And so now I think we're, you know, bigger established companies are starting to realize that model works. And it has huge advantages from the standpoint of availability of talent you know if there's one place where it's really really hard to recruit locally is finding really good engineers and that's true whether you're in london or in paris or in san francisco or in new york meanwhile you've got you know incredibly talented de- software developers in you know central and eastern europe yeah um uh, where the local job market kind of sucks you know to be honest and and these guys are, you know willing to work on things that potentially your local employees would not be willing to work on because they're not as exciting um, and they're going to be incredibly loyal to your company because, you know, like, frankly, they, they just don't have that many other alternatives. I mean, if you, if you look at our company, the first 10 engineers that we hired 10 years ago, eight of them still work at the company. And, um, and they're all, you know, based in Eastern Europe. And I think if they were based in Silicon Valley, it would have been much, much harder to keep them that, that such a long time around.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine with the, the sort of competitive nature of the, of, of, of the, of the market there. One of the, I, I think the the, the the main, one of the main reasons I really wanted to sort of have you on the podcast and, and talk to you, and and we sort of covered a lot of this already, but I want to kind of ask it as a very specific last question. Um, I've been doing a lot of kind of research into what the future of work uh, might look like. And, um, you know, I contributed to a Chapter to a book on the future of business a few weeks back, and I actually wrote about um, Upwork in that in that chapter because um, I'm very interested in this whole kind of concept of um, you know globally distributed um, talent networks. Um, if you were going to kind of put your sort of uh, future seeing goggles on um, and sort of look four or five uh, four or five years into the future, if not beyond. Does does all work look like this? You know, where where do you think this kind of uh, talent networked economy is um, is 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 going um, in the next few years? Uh,
1: so you know, like I I think I have you know a crystal ball that is potentially probably not better than yours, and so you know, like this is just you know hypothesis. But I think there's two trends happening right now. One that is frankly really scary, and I don't think the world has a really good answer to it. Okay, and the other one that I think is incredibly inspiring. Yeah. The scary one is a lot of work is getting automated. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, automation. And and that's a really scary thought because, you know, like, yes, you know, economists would say, but this happened during the Industrial Revolution and it was painful for a while, but eventually, look, the world is a better place. I think the scale at which jobs are going to get destroyed by, you know, artificial intelligence and robotics is something that is unparalleled. And that is not my space. That's not something we play in. Uh, But it's definitely something that, you know, we're going to be living through just like anybody else. And I personally find that really, really scary, because I don't think the world has a really good answer for it. The one that I find incredibly inspiring, which is the one that we participate in, is this idea that, you know, people can get an awesome job and build a career irrespective of where they live. And you know, being an expat myself, you know, I've moved back and forth between the US and France for the last, you know, two decades. I find it incredibly inspiring to think that, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day where I live. I can have a job that I find, you know, fulfilling and mix it with my, you know, my work-life balance. I mean, I, I have kids at home and I like to be able to spend you know enough time with them. And my wife does the same. And you know, the traditional workplace, I mean the the thing that was, you know, still very much true, you know, a decade ago just does not allow for that kind of flexibility. And the amount of talent that is, you know, underutilized in the world and conversely, the amount of talent that, you know, is, is not available for the companies to hire, there's a huge mismatch right now. You know, McKinsey actually published a report a couple of months ago, um, which was not commissioned by us, even though it was probably the best piece of advertising ever, yeah. that is basically trying to say um, talent, inter- t- talent intermediation platforms and, the, you know, uh, talking about Upwork in particular – Uh, But talent uh, uh, intermediation platforms uh, by 2020 are going to be increasing world GDP by $2 trillion. And, you know, just like a typical McKinsey study, it's incredibly detailed. It's hundreds of pages of data and and analysis. But the fundamental point is, look, there's places in the world where there's, you know, not enough talents and companies are unable to hire. And then there's places in the world where there's, you know, too much talent and not enough job opportunities. And there's just, you know, fractional work that needs to happen because people are being displaced for whatever reason, you know, their spouse has moved, they have an elderly parent or whatever, um, and they need to accommodate for the fact that they may or may not be able to work full-time. And you take all of that stuff together and you realize that um, it's impacting the world economy. There's underutilized people. You know, if you think about what, you know, Uber or Airbnb are trying to do with improving utilization of cars and, and houses... You know, that's nice but I would say to some extent that's fairly tactical I don't think it's going to change the face of the earth okay. we're trying to you know increase the utilization of probably the biggest asset that the world has which is people talents you know and and right now it's it's badly you know mismanaged and the beauty of you know a big global software platform like ourselves is that you can have you know a system that is self optimizing and you know allows individuals to have the best, you know, trade-off between their work-life balance, and you know, maximize their earnings and work on a career that makes sense for them. And that I find incredibly inspiring, uh, and that makes me much more hopeful than you know, whatever is happening with
0: automation and jobs being destroyed. Stefan, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. My thanks to Stefan Casriel. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts and if you are I'd be very grateful if you could write a review in iTunes for them you can of course also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes as well as on Stitcher for show notes all the past episodes and to subscribe to the mailing list go to www.rfpodcast.com I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me This is my show.